like to have our brother Jim Pinkston come read my mom's life story this morning. I am very thankful that they could be here with us today to do that. I, um, I love that this used to be a Methodist church. It's no longer a Methodist church. But the reason why I like it is because my mom gave her heart to the Lord a long time ago in a Methodist church. So I think this is very fitting that the Lord would bring this about. God has it all in control. God bless you. Brother Sam. Sister Marcia and Miles Parker, 69, passed away peacefully in her sleep on Friday, April 28, 2023, in Sedgwick, Kansas. She was born on January 5th, 1954, in Karnak, Illinois, to Ernest and Alma Marie McKinney Miles. She was the eighth of nine children. At 10 years old, she accepted the Lord Jesus as her Savior at the local Methodist church. She attended schools in Pulaski County and graduated from Carbondale Community High School in 1972. During this time, Ernest passed away in 1971. From 1972 to 74, she attended Shawnee Community College in Eulin, Illinois, where she graduated with a degree in secretarial science. She bought her first car, a red Plymouth Duster, in 1974. She and her family moved to Gates, Tennessee in 1976. She worked as a secretary for a short while, but then took a job at the Tupperware plant in Halls, Kentucky, because she was excited to make a higher wage. In retrospect, she decided she was not fond of the increased workload but she stayed until October of 1978. On October 7, 1978, at 24 years old, she married Rory Parker at their new church in Nutbush, Tennessee. Nine months later, July 14, 1979, Charity was born. Approximately 13 months afterwards, on August 26, 1980, Samuel was born. She was a stay-at-home mom until 1987 when she took a position as a teacher's assistant at Haywood Elementary. On August 14, 1989, through some difficulty, Rebecca was born. She was born four months early, and the family would take weekend day trips to Memphis, Tennessee to visit the baby at the Med, the regional medical center of Memphis until the baby was able to come home in December of 1989. Marcia continued to work at Haywood Elementary until 2003. In June of 2003, her first grandchild, Joseph, was born, making her a grandma. In August of 2005, she and her family moved to Park City, Kansas. In 2009, she began attending National American University, She obtained a degree in medical billing and coding and graduated in May 2013. She enjoyed singing in church, reading, spending time with her family, eating lasagna, watching Star Trek, shopping for clothes, Christian music, and Irish music like Celtic Woman. She she didn't enjoy the travel, but she enjoyed being on vacation once she arrived. She was always a very positive person with kind words to shower those around her. Preceded in death by her parents, Ernest and Marie Miles, and her siblings, Ray Miles, Erlene Free, David Miles, and Sharon Miles. Survived by her husband, Rory Parker, 
children, Charity Parker, Samuel Parker and wife Bethany, Rebecca Parker, grandchildren, Joseph, wife Emma, Aaron, Levi, Emma Kate, Lily, and Sadie Parker, and great-granddaughter Ella Parker, siblings Francis Robinson, spouse Esco, Donna Dobbs, spouse Ron, Ron Miles, spouse uh, Dora, uh, Bobby Miles, and Crystal. Amen. What a wife, life well lived. Amen. I, I could just say this one thing. Take this. Say, uh, just, just a minute. I've known Marcia since about uh, 2000, not 1998, 1998, 1998. I think we probably would have met in Stainer, Ontario, at preaching a meeting there for Brother Dan Olson. And uh, have just been, uh, how was the word, just impressed, greatly impressed ever since I've known Marcia. She's just been just a godly woman, a very special woman. I was just thinking this this week, just thinking about the times that we'd known her and fellowship with her and so forth. It was my joy and honor to serve as her pastor for 15 years. And I, to me, she was, uh, she was just, she was a model Christian lady. She was. I never had to deal with, uh, with rumors and backbitings and catastrophes and, and uh, just talking, murmuring and all that stuff. She was just, she was, well, Peter said it like this in 1 Peter chapter 2, uh, chapter, yeah, t- chapter 2 and verse 3. And he's talking about a godly woman and how she dresses and, and so forth, how she presents herself. And he said she had a, uh, how did Peter say it? He said, uh, a meek and quiet spirit. And I, Marcia, to me, she exemplified that standard that Peter wrote of under the impression of the Holy Spirit. She had a meek and a quiet spirit. It was just, she was, uh, she was the, uh, uh, a servant to her family. She raised a wonderful family. And uh, uh, she was just the matriarch of that family and read, just lived a godly life in their presence. And she'll certainly be missed by us all. But I agree with Brother Sam. We know where she is. And, uh, that's just that's that's the, the the paradox of a funeral. You're sad, the the body's sad, the heart's sad, but you know where she's at, and you know that we're going to see her again someday. Amen. God bless you all, brother Sam. Bless you, God bless you. Appreciate you. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. <coughs> see them walking on the shores of heaven praising the Lord and watching the tide roll in oh friends that have gone on oh how I miss you so and somehow I know if you and you let me know that you're doing fine and it doesn't hurt anymore things couldn't be better 
Heaven is worth waiting for And you'll miss me too Until then You'll be praying for me And I know if you could talk to me now Here's what you'd say to me I wish you were here It's such a beautiful place I wish you were here Nothing but clear sunny days Oh, it never rains No one complains We haven't seen a tear We're having a great time Wish you were here. Oh, I can just see them walking on the shores together. They're talking with Jesus, safe and secure in His love. Oh, friends and loved ones walking in heavenly. And I know if they could talk to me now Here's what they'd say to me Oh, wish you were here It's such a beautiful place Wish you were here Nothing but clear sunny Rains, no one complains. We haven't seen a tear. We're having a great time. Wish you were here. Oh, it never rains. No one complains. We haven't seen a tear. We're having a Amen. What a promise. What a promise. We're going to sing a few congregations this morning. We also wanted to open up during the songs if anyone had something that they wanted to stand up and say in, in honor of mom. You don't feel pressed to, but you're very welcome to. You can do it in your chair. If you want to come up here, you're, you're welcome to. <clears throat> Let's sing the song when the saints go marching in. I'm a pilgrim and a stranger. I'm traveling through this world of sin. I'm on my way to that fair city. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Go marching in Oh, when the saints Go marching in Oh, I know
Be anybody else? Michelle? So, Charity and Brother Rory had, um, I think, asked my mom to say something, but she's not the most comfortable public speaking, I don't think. And I don't have a lot of trouble with that, <laughs> um, especially not with most of you. I know most everybody in here, and I consider you all family. So <laughs> if I mess up, I just mess up. Um, but she wrote something out, and I'm going to read it. She said, when I first met Marsha, she was a Miles and not a Parker. I think it was 1974-75. Her brother, Ray Miles, had come to Nutbush, Tennessee, to pastor a small group of believers there. He would drive from Jeffersonville every weekend, and we would have a Friday night service, and then again on Sunday morning. Marsha, her sister Sharon, and her brother Bobby would drive down for Friday night service, and they would come and spend the night at our house. My brother Tommy and Bobby were great friends, and so were Marsha and Sharon to me. We would do things together on Saturdays and then go to church again on Sunday. They would go home on Sunday afternoon and do it all again on Friday. They eventually got jobs in Tennessee and moved to the Forkadier community. These were the good old days. 
young, carefree, and running around with two of the best friends I could have. Marsha was a bridesmaid in my wedding in 1977, and we loved talking and being friends. I was in California when she got married in 1978, and I was very pregnant and could not fly back to Tennessee for her wedding to Rory. It made us both very sad, but I was glad that she had found her true mate. Um, only God could have known she would have a son and I a daughter who would later fall in love and get married. Now we share the same grandchildren and a great-granddaughter, Ella Jane. She's greatly missed. Missed is underscored there. And I'm so glad to have had her as my friend and sister. Thank you. Um, just me personally, I agree with everything that's been said about Marsha so far. Sister Marsha, Mama, whatever. <laughs> um, but I don't think, and I've heard that she could get mad. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen her mad. Like, even if she was having a rainy day, she still was just happy. She was just happy. She was always smiling. Even if she didn't know what in the world was going on, <laughs> she was still smiling. So um, she will be greatly missed. But we're glad to have been able to spend the last few weeks with her here in fellowship. So love you all. I was asked to say a few things. My fondest memory of my grandmother was probably um, spending the night with Papa, Grandma, and Aunt Becca on Thanksgiving night, waking up early and hitting the fastest McDonald's and going to go get the, the uh, McDonald's play toy. It's my fondest memory of her. I love her and she'll be greatly missed. I want to sing a song for her this, this evening. If you can. Will my heart feel? Will I dance 
for you, Jesus, for in all of you be still. Will I stand in your presence? To my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Yeah. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. When that day comes, oh, and I find myself standing in the sun, I can only imagine, oh, and all I will do, oh, is forever and forever worship you. I can only imagine Yeah, I can only imagine To be surrounded by your glory What will my heart feel? Will I stand in your presence? Will I sing hallelujah to my knees? Will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Yeah, I can only imagine. To my knees will I fall, will I sing hallelujah, will I be able to speak it all, I can only imagine, yeah, oh, I can only imagine, oh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. We all get to heaven. Sing the one trust love of Jesus. Sing his mercy, oh, and his grace. Oh, in the mansion, bright and blessed, he's prepared for us a place. Oh, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be.
have anything they'd like to say? Tad, Charity, Rebecca? Let's sing one more song before we change just a little bit. Let's sing Because He Lives. It's in G. Because He Lives. Oh, I can say thank you with all of our hearts for everyone coming out in honor of my mom if I start crying just forgive me my mom always sung to me as a kid so I could not not sing for her she always preached to me as a kid and I could not preach this for her there's so much blessings and mercy and grace to being a Christian That I've heard it said in a lot of different ways, and not just from Christians, but those who consider themselves to be atheists, that Christians die the best. They're not tore all up. They're not worried about what's about to happen. There's a peace that comes with knowing him. And the more you know of him, the more peace you get. The closer you get, it's not just you alone. It's him and you there. 
And that's how you can make it in this world. You'll never make it on your own. You'll never make it in your own strength. You'll never make it in your own ideas. You've got to sell out lock, stock, and barrel to him. You've got to open every door of your heart and say, God, have mercy on me and fill me so overflowing. And as you walk each day, and each day, like Paul said, dying daily, take more. Take more. Bring more to my memory so I can lay it on your altar, Lord, and let you have your way in my life. I've got a few scriptures I want to read to you this morning just because... They explain so much about our heavenly home. John 5, 24, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. John 14, verse 1, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Now this is the word speaking. This isn't just some, just some man or somebody trying to give good soothing words to, to help you through a hard time. This isn't a self-help book. This is the Prince of Peace, the King of Peace. This is God and God alone who is still the fourth man in the fire even today. When this world has no peace. They have no comfort. They have to have drugs to go to bed and drugs to get up and everything else in between. There's a peace that still passes understanding. And that's very accessible and available in your life. Not just in our day, but in your life. He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. Think about that promise. Never alone. Never alone. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest. How can we know the way? How can we know the way? Jesus said these words, and most of you can quote it by heart. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm very thankful the Lord to let me have the mama that I did. She was not perfect. None of us are in our flesh. <clears throat> But it's in the imperfections. I remember there's a message Brother Eddie preached years ago called the value of the flaw. The value of the flaw. And it's that, that characteristic of a human heart and a life that despite the mistakes, despite, despite the shortcomings and, and things you might go through in your life, it, it's still the taking that opportunity and that choice is still, I'll still serve him today. I'll still serve him tomorrow. The next day, I keep getting up. Yes, I made a mistake, but I keep getting back up and I live my life for him. You become a witness. You know, one way or another, you're a witness. There was a, as a brother said years ago, that was walking, said a young boy walked by a, a, a beer joint, a, a bar, and there was a drunk that was passed out in the street outside, and he told the bartender, he said, hey, he said, your sign fell over. And the man looked at his sign hanging, he said, no, it's fine. He said, no, no, there's your sign right there about your services. And one way or the other, you're a sign. You're a testimony. Your life is meant to be that way. When you become a Christian for Christ... When you become to live your life for him, to serve out and die out daily, you know, even the mistakes the devil likes to poke holes at and point at and all those things. But despite the humanity, despite the flaw and all those that's there, others that are seeking after the Lord. This world is dying. Those that are seeking after the world, after the Lord, and they find something that's good. They find something about Christ in you. They know it didn't come from this world. They know they don't give no peace from this world. There's nothing here that sustains. Here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one that's to come. And they can look at your life, and even though they maybe never touched the Bible or ever met the Lord himself, they can see him in you. Yes, 
The only way this happens, as Ephesians would say, is you have he quickened. You have he made alive. Yes, you were dead in sin and trespasses, but you ain't dead no more. I think about the Lord Jesus come to Jairus' house and all the people were there. They were wailing and bemoaning. They didn't know what had happened. They weren't sure where she was at. They weren't 100% sold out just because they didn't have the peace. But then the peace walked up. And he said, she's not dead, but she sleeps. And in their, and their misery and in their hurt and in their non-lack of understanding, they didn't realize that the one that was standing there is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the resurrection and the life. And no one lives without him. There's only one way. There's only one way. I know the devil tries to offer you many, many different ways. You can do this and be okay. You can do this and be okay. And you walk up through every single varying stage, whether you're just a person that, that doesn't go to church or barely believes in God. Okay, I'll accept that there is a God, but, but I don't really want him messing in my life. And then you got those that will attend a church, and, and then they just keep stepping up, to step up more of the current and present revelation of what God has for the day. But even in that, the devil can lull you to sleep and make you think that you're okay. Make you think that you're okay. But the Bible has so many provisions in this way that you might know him and know exactly where you stand with him. And again, it brings peace. Revelation is a rock you can stand on. It's not a shifting stand. You're not miring up in the mud. You have a very firm foundation. And, and being a carpenter, I love how the Bible uses all these ways to measure from. And you have a way to know that's right. If we were to, I say this all the time, if we were to lay out a building, we have to have certain points that we can pull from. I can't be a few inches off. I can't be a foot off. It's got to be exactly right. Otherwise, I got to tear it all back down. And the way that God will build your life and your heart and your walk with him must be built exactly the way his word describes. Otherwise, you've got to be torn back down. But again, God has mercy. He's still the potter. Even in all the mistakes that we make and even of the prodigal son and he was still on the porch waiting. When the man finally come to himself, laying in a pig pen, he was on the porch waiting. He said that in my father's house, he said that even the servants eat better than I do now. So I'm going to go home and be a servant. And on the porch, he was waiting. Amen. He comes walking down the road. And a brother said years ago, I really liked it. He said he had every right. He had every right to stand there on the porch and say, you're going to walk down here and you're going to beg my forgiveness. He had every right in what the boy had done. But that father, a type of Christ, ran out to meet him. Ran out to meet him. Ain't got to have no bigness about him. Ain't got to have no, you're going to make this right. No, no. He said, I'm here. And this kind of peace that comes with being a Christian, this kind of a witness that there's a lot of things that we've not seen in our own eyes, even in a vision form or a dream form, exactly what's to come in that next life. We, we've had others that, that have brought back fruit from that side and, and to tell us about what it looks like. And, and even in that, you have to believe it. it. It doesn't matter what the Bible says if you don't believe it. I can jump to Revelations and start walking through what that city looks like and tell you where you're going if you're, if you're made that reservation clear. But unless you believe it, it doesn't really mean that much to you. But as a believer, believers believe. And when you come into that place and you understand that that's the prize I'm pushing toward, that's the mark, that's where I'm aiming to, and nothing else matters. Nothing else matters. I'd like to read this to you from Psalms chapter 21. It says, it's a psalm of David. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire and hast not withholden the request of his lips. 
For thou preventest him with the blessings of goodness. Thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him. Even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great, and in thy salvation, honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him most blessed forever. If thou hast made him exceedingly glad with thy countenance. Hebrews 13, 14 said, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek one to come. It doesn't benefit you at all in this world to have any mortal life in this life. It wouldn't benefit whatsoever if you were to live a thousand years and have every heart's desire. Not one bit, because you'd still be here. This is the pest house. This is the negative. This is not what we're working to attain. We're working to take that other side, that other body, and that's what we're pressing toward. And in that, like I said, it brings a comfort to be able to stay here. You realize that it brings you a comfort to be able to stay here. Paul would say that for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. So if you're to live here today, especially the bride of this day, you've got a job to do. I understand the paradox of the rest in a believer's life, but you've got a job to do as a Christian, as a believer. You can't just hide away. It's not just you alone. You've got a job to do as a Christian and a believer of this day. Amen. I want to read to you from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You know the Lord this morning? Do you love the Lord this this afternoon? 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. Paul is speaking. He said, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house that's not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so, that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not for that we would be unclothed, but be clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life, of life. Now he that hath wrought us for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. Therefore we are always confident, knowing always confident, knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we're absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. I don't care who you are, that applies to you. Each one of us. You have a walk with the Lord and you're accountable to him. When mom passed away, we, dad had called me and I was at work. And I told him I'd be there in about an hour. And I was about an hour and so away. And we got there. It took him a little while to come be able to pick her up and take her out of there. So I had the opportunity to sit down beside her and, and take her by the hand and pray for her. And thank the Lord for his mercy being there to help walk her across. See, you're not alone even in death. He said, I am with you always. I am with you always. And you think that, well, maybe she died. No one else in the room. She wasn't alone in the room. Wasn't alone in the room. He was right there with her. I thank him for that mercy. We serve a very mighty God. Very, very mighty God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance 
obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. You walk by faith and not by sight. We, years ago, the Lord moved us to Kansas from Tennessee, and that was, it's interesting how the Lord had moved my mom to where she was at just to be able to meet my dad. My mom was born and raised in Carnac, Illinois. And that's where she was all of her life. And then my uncle heard about the message there toward uh, 1966 in that area. And he moved to Jeffersonville to send her to Brother Neville. And, and in that amount of time that, that my mom became a believer. And, and then the Lord put it on his heart to move to Nutbush and start to work there. And every weekend they would drive down that three-hour drive, whatever it was, every weekend to go to have service there on Friday night and Sunday morning. Sister Deborah was telling me just the other day. And, and it's amazing the, the humble and... Uh, innocent beginnings is what God will have you do. And looking at the slideshow and the pictures, some of those are my mom and dad's weddings. And that happened in my uncle's living room. They'd had a a house that he'd bought and and they turned that front room into a little church. And that little church packed in a lot of people. A lot of people over the time that they was there. They was able to build a a bigger uh, building after that. But it's amazing that even in that small room, what God was building... And you think in yourself that as a man, you think that it's got to be some great big thing. It's got to be you can't, you can't serve God. You can't do anything for God unless it's great big cathedral or spires or any of those things. But, but God generally aren't in those things. He's not in those things. He's very humble. He's very simple. He's very kind. So many today claim they know him. They've never even met him. But in that little church house, in that little room, the Lord moved in a very special way and started something that if it hadn't have been for that, I wouldn't be standing here today. When you start something, when you're in the beginning or when you're in the trenches, or you're in the mud of whatever you're going through trying to build something, then, then you, you don't really fully grasp the eternal value and weight of what God is doing through you if you'll yet surrender. And I look at some of those pictures, and, and it might have done come up since I've been talking, but... It, right there, that room right there, that little room right there, the Holy Ghost moved in very powerful ways. In that room right there that a church was created that, that my dad heard about who lived three hours away and drove down for some meetings they had and met my mom. Neither one of them was from West Tennessee, but God moved them there. Walk by faith and not by sight. Don't always look like something's going to happen, but God moves if you'll follow him. And so as they were there for years, from 78 all the way up to 05, and God blessed in a very special way, and then it was time to move again. And then God moved us out here to Kansas to sit under Brother Jim, and God's done wonderful, wonderful things, such a blessing. And I never would have thought growing up being from Tennessee, I would have never thought that I would have moved out of the state of Tennessee. I, I kind of figured maybe move back toward middle Tennessee. I didn't know what God had for us. So to think that God would move us 600 miles across country to where a lot of places our prophet would call a desert... It's not as pretty as Tennessee in a lot of ways, but, but what God has done here in my heart, in my family's heart, in our lives, and all those that are here, it, it is nothing short of supernatural. And I know God is in it. I, I've got too many testimonies to share with you to know that God is in it. And I appreciate the Lord because, again, you're not alone. You're not alone. And I, I can, even as I stand here remembering that when the Lord was leading Dad to move out here and my mom wasn't sure that, you know, wasn't sure yet, didn't have an answer for herself. And she, of course, would have went because, you know, she would follow my dad. But, but then God gave her an answer. And God will speak to your heart. I, I think of how the Lord did even me and my own wife. We had wanted to move out right before we got married and it didn't work out. And then God finally made a way. 
But again, God leads you. See, again, when you start this path, no matter how young you are, and I don't care if you're two years old, three years old, 120 years old, God will lead you. And where it leads you is someplace very, very special if you'll walk with him. There's a home that's been prepared for you specifically. It doesn't have to be a mansion. It doesn't have to be, to me, I I don't care. I'm not looking for a mansion. I'm not looking for streets of gold. I just want to be there with him. I I want to see the one that through every hard thing I've ever been through, anything that left a scar on my heart or my life, to know that he is there waiting. And you don't have to leave. You understand there's not a time limit. That's the beautiful thing about it. This isn't a vacation. I know that some sing that song, I'll take my vacation in heaven. You don't leave after three weeks. Our prophet would tell us that even after you've, this flesh has passed away and you're standing there, you'll come to know him throughout the ceaseless ages. Amen. He also said that on that day when your flesh changes, he and his word will become what you never dreamed possible. That's a promise. Now, the one thing I love about the Bible is it makes these provisions that God cannot change and God cannot lie. Amen. Now, if someone's made you a promise that you know cannot lie, you can stake your whole life on it. Now, this one that's made this promise is not someone that will get old and die. It's someone who is eternal life. Since before the very beginning, he is eternal life. And that's what we're pressing toward. And that's what my mom finally graduated to. The devil will try to tell you, well, maybe she missed the rapture because she went by the way of the grave. But the Bible's very clear in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that those who are asleep, that will not prevent them, will not hinder them, they will also be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Something that I talked about earlier about my mom preaching to me as a young boy when I was 19 or 20, that she had, I was, we were talking about the Christians that had been killed in the, uh, the, the Colosseum there, you know, back in the days of the Romans and things like that, and how that they'd be eaten, and then as they would be spread out, things like that. And, and I, was, I, I, I didn't have a good understanding of the full redemption of this body. See, I, I don't, you know, this body is, you, the devil will tell you it's worth everything, but it's not really worth very much. But there is a promise to that body that no matter where it's at, God will take it and pull it back. Yes. Doesn't matter if you're turned back to dust, doesn't matter if you're going back to Adam's, whatever it might be, he will grab it and pull it back up because he's promised you a seal of redemption. Right. He's promised a seal of redemption, and that will be the full completeness of being wrapped up Amen. in him. So my mom graduated into a place last Friday morning that each one of us are pressing toward, whether it's by the way of the grave, whether it's through a rapture, God have his way. God have his way. I don't fear death. I pray this morning, that you, this afternoon, that you don't fear death because the one that we serve took the stinger out of death a long time ago. And the way our prophet would explain it to you, if you ever have a bee buzzing around, and if he gets your stinger stuck in deep, that he'll pull that stinger out. It's just a very natural thought. But that day, death stung our Lord Jesus. And he pulled the sting out of death for you and for me. And it wasn't good enough just that he died, just that he took the beating for your healing. That wasn't good enough. He took your sin and your sin and your sin and my sin and he took it down to hell and he laid it on the back of Satan. He laid it on his back because he that sinned must surely die and he laid it on his back. While he was there, he reclaimed the keys of death, hell and the grave. Satan has always been a con man and a squatter is all he is. And he took it back just to prove to him who he really was. Now is that sacrifice, that atonement for your sins and my sins that now has a way that you can cross across that chasm and be in his presence 
He didn't just bring it back to the earth. He didn't take it to Solomon's temple. He didn't take it back to some altar of sacrifice. He took it right to home. Right to your heavenly home. And he put that blood sacrifice there for you and me. It won't dry up. It won't turn to dust. It's there. And it's good enough. And because of what God has done for us, we know that this life is not the end of things. It's not where we end. It's not where we all, we die. And you know how many people on this planet today that think that when they die, it's all over. That there's nothing left. I couldn't imagine such, I'd be pretty sorrowful right now if that's what I thought. It's not the end. It's not the end. I appreciate our Lord Jesus. I appreciate him. We started reading that there in Hebrews, and he said that by faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as a, in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations. It's not just a mist. It's not some ethereal thing. It's not just a, a made-up imagination. It's real. It's very, very real. He looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, sprang there even of one, him as good as dead, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. All those years ago, it was just my mom, and then God introduced her to my dad. And then as God would see fit to bring children, and then God grows that seed. This wasn't just a promise to Abraham, it's a promise to you as well. You're a children of that faith seed of Abraham. And he said that these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. In Psalms chapter 24, verse 1, a psalm of David, he said, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas, established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. So lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Psalms chapter 1 said, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. These are just some of the blessings that God has for you and me. They're just some of them. God has so much in store for a believer. It's such a wonderful, wonderful thing what God has for you and I. 
Do you appreciate him this morning, tonight? Do you know him that way? As a very real and present help in every time of trouble. As we close, come down to a close, I want to read to you one of mom's favorite scriptures. Psalms chapter 91. And as dad would tell you, it wasn't until just very recent she could just about quote the entire chapter to you. But I want to read this to you. Thank you, Sister Erica. Read along with this promise. This is what awaits a believer, whether there or here. This is the promise been made to you by someone that cannot change. You don't walk in a picnic as a Christian. A lot of people think that when you become a Christian, your life is now the easiest thing to ever happen. No, your life just now started to begin a fight. The greatest battle that's ever fought. And you cannot do it hiding in a corner. You cannot just shut your arms down and let's be shut down. You've got to stand up and fight. Psalms 91 verse 1. He said, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. From the noisome pestilence, he shall cover thee with his feathers. Under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth in noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked, because thou hast made the Lord. Thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, thy habitation. There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee, to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample under feet, because he hath set his love upon me. Therefore will I deliver him. I'll set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. So we'd have the musicians come back up. Pray this, this afternoon that if you don't know the Lord Jesus, that you will take this example right here. See, I don't have to preach her into heaven. I don't have to tell you how great she was, how she lived for the Lord. Her life did that. I don't have to convince you. I don't have to trick you. That was all settled in her life just by knowing her. But I pray that you would this morning, this afternoon, would follow her example. Find out the way she went and follow her example. I want to sing that song within the veil. Within the veil I now have come into thy home. 
like that again. Oh, yes, I want more. Oh, I want more. Oh, I want more. Oh, Jesus, I want say that again that God let her be my mama I was very blessed to know her to be raised by her to be loved by her I do miss her this morning but I appreciate God's mercy to me for all the time I had with her I thank the Lord for that I thank each one of you for coming today to being a blessing to me and my family it means so very much and I pray God's richest blessings upon your life that you might be drawn closer to him with every beat of your heart. We're going to be dismissed here in just a couple minutes. We'll let everybody step out, and we'll bring mom out and put her in the in the hearse, and um, just to have the room, of course. And um, we're going to go straight to the interment. It's just about two miles away or so. It's not very far over at Pleasant Valley. You're welcome to come if you'd rather stay because I know it's hot outside. We, we're going to have a fellowship right after over here in the fellowship hall. And we'll have lots of food. So I, I pray that you'll stay and, 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 and fellowship with us and 
please don't leave. I understand several of our brothers have to make things they've got to go do. And I thank each one of you from the very bottom of my heart from coming today. Brother Ed, I appreciate that. I know you got a lot going on today. And for each one of the rest of you, I'm so very thankful for all your sacrifice and all that you did to come here. I appreciate that. So we'll ask the Lord's blessing. We'll ask in a word of prayer before we're dismissed. Then you'll, then you'll be dismissed. If you'll bow your heads with me. Dear Lord Jesus. We're standing here today to honor the life of a time-tested memorial. Stood through a lot of things in her life. A lot of heart attacks of the enemy. Satan coming against in many different ways. As Isaiah would say, the weapon might be formed, but it will not prosper. Her life proved that, Lord. As many times as Satan would throw his snares and all those things, but you were always there with her. But we appreciate the opportunity from having known her having loved her and having had the time with her. Lord, in all our heart, Lord, we can so gladly and thankfully say that we know we'll see her again. Very, very shortly, Lord, this, this is a promise made to us by you. Lord, we trust you this today. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to give peace to our hearts. Lord, there will be times that will be sad and, and just get to missing her. But Lord, I pray that you would build us up in your strength yet again. For your joy is our strength. Help us, Lord Jesus. Lord, draw us nearer to thee. I can only imagine if mom had one request, is that we would surrender our lives and make sure we go to that same place, Lord. Lord, don't let any one of us here today walk out of here with anything in our heart, Lord, that, that needs to be laid down, that needs to be surrendered. Nothing is worth missing heaven over. Lord, I pray mercy on each one of us here today that you would take complete control of each one of us. We lay ourselves open and bare before your throne and we say we surrender to you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for being our God. Thank you for being our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, and yet still the lifter of our head. We appreciate your mercy so fervently today, Lord God. Thank you, Lord, in your wonderful and merciful name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. You are close like no other. I've, I've known, known you as a father. father.